0: Dile que tú eres mía, mía, tú sabes que eres mía
1: Uh, yes, welcome to another great episode of the Sheesh and Friends Book Club. I know, guys, it's been a long minute. We're at the end of May, and we're still finishing up our April books. All right, and you, if you want to blame someone, blame Ryan, okay? That's called the Sheesh yeah. and Friends pot, the book <laughs> club. We're, we're blaming the friends here. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we've both been somewhat busy. You know, our, our schedules haven't lined up that well, and we we're, we're just busy, and, and it took us some time to get through this book, and, you know, that's, that's just what happened, so... Uh, that's i just want to apologize on that on behalf of both of us here uh but we just hope for
0: the record i haven't had an english class since high school so i don't know what summer reading is i have a hard time keeping on track okay yeah
1: <laughs> i mean the, i i think it's great that we saw still, still read so many books already right we need some a little bit more time to digest this and we want to let to everyone we want to give time for you to catch up all right honestly if you want to blame someone, <laughs> blame yourselves. All right, let's let's look inward within ourselves and blame ourselves. Okay, uh, but, <laughs> but but
0: matter of fact is we, we need to create better habits, uh, more like atomic habits because our habits are real bad. Yeah,
1: on yeah. It, Great, great segue. Uh, great segue. Speaking of atomic habits, that is the book, the second book of April what? that we're reading here in May. What's called Atom- Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, what a fantastic book! I would show you guys if i could it is an audible book so i don't have it on me right here uh but it was this is a really nice book you know it's great to listen to and i feel like it's perfect because he does reference one of our previous books which was the power of habit by charles duhigg and uh that's, that's cool because i think going into this book we we're like is it kind of like the similar stuff that we've already heard about right the compound effect power of habit but he kind of mentioned he's like. I'm just trying to uh, start where kind of Charles Duhigg finished with the power of habit. Right. And I think there's a lot of things you could learn here. Um, I think throughout the book, it's kind of like a mix of, you know, he talks about what compounding and and the effect of it is right. Getting 1% better every day, 30%, you know, better per year. And he also mentions how, you know, it could also negatively affect you as well. Right. And he talks about the importance of habits um, and kind of like ways to, kind of push yourself to to change right and he mentions the different ways you can change the outcome goals of uh, that you have you can change yourself your identity right he talks about the layers uh of you know of a person how to change them um he kind of goes in depth really of of different ways and you know i think from previous books that we've read we've always read how to do these things right like how to work on them and he also mentions the negative side though right like I think that's something I hadn't thought about before but like how to get rid of things so you're not using them or you know stuck in that cycle so I think they'll be very interesting to talk about here but Ryan what are your thoughts of, of the book and you can talk about your takeaways as well
0: well the first part I want to touch on is the reference to power habit and alignment with that I thought he didn't reference, I don't think particularly the compound effect, but I thought he hit on concepts that was exactly what compound effect uh, talked about. He mentioned on about a British biking uh, group who was really bad and
1: you know what, Ryan, I'm going to jump in here and just, you know, take this segment from me real quick. Take it from me. I, I think before we start talking about, like, the values and things he taught us, we should talk about, like, the first beginning chapter part, right? Like, this is someone that uh, had, like, a tragic injury, uh, I think, in high school, right? He was playing a baseball game. A baseball bat hit him in the face, and he was like, you know... Uh, out unconscious in the you know hospital for weeks or so. He had to go to the
0: ICU and get I think facial rip repairs.
1: Yeah, yeah, he, you know broken. I think he note. was on
0: a ventilator
1: too. I, I believe. I think though for for some time his eyeball popped out once you know from like you know blowing his nose or something. So like this is <laughs> someone that like in high school right like in early age went through like this little tragedy with this this face and he wasn't sure what was happening and then you know I think the good story was like in high school when he came back he wasn't good on the baseball team, right? Like he was, he was one of the older classmen and he got cut from the varsity team, had to play for the JV team. Uh, but then when he went to college, he kind of changed himself, right? And he kind of talks about that. He's like, you know, while everyone else was up staying playing video games, I started these habits of going to sleep early, right? And like, that's something he incorporated in college and while at college, he started getting straight eights. He started playing for the baseball team and was fantastic at it, you know? Um, so this is someone that kind of like lost everything for a little bit, you know, everything was like questioned, like what does my future look like? You know, this, this, this is a scary, dark moment. And he came out, um, learning from this experience and, and growing on it. So, you know, that's, I just wanted to give that little background there. Cause I think that's important, right? Like when I first started listening, I was like, Oh no, what is this book even about? Right. This sounds so scary. I felt really like, Oh man, this is, this sounds really dark and stuff. But I think, you know, sometimes you have to go through these dark times to come out on the other end of it, you know, and come out better from it.
0: And I think it enhances the book that the author himself gives his own personal anecdote describing what he's talking about in the book and how it worked for him and although his eye popped out you can tell that his vision is clear james clear
1: ouch no oh my goodness ryan does not represent what we're trying to do here (laughs) i do not take any i don't want any credit for that joke that was just too much but ryan go ahead talk about your biking point and, and and you know everything else
0: well, he, and after that first chapter that he talked about, he goes into describing the, the significance of habits and how they compound, which correlates with the book, The Compound Effect. And he mentioned two examples that stuck with me. The first one was the British biking group and in the Tour de France and all these competitions, they were really bad. They were, they were, they were not good. And they got this new coach and he just implemented little changes in so many different facets of their game, new biking, new equipment, a new suit, new of uh, training habits, all these different things, eating habits, and those little changes, those 1% changes in everything compounded to make them one of the best biking groups now th- that there is. And I thought that was a great example.
1: I, I love that one. You know, you hear things like, oh, they started adjusting the cushion in the seat, you know, they're making mm-hmm. sure they're wearing like these thermal shorts. Uh, they were wiping off the dirt off their bikes or whatever it was. It was like it was very interesting to hear like what they're detailing here. But yeah, that's that's kind of the point, right? Like is one thing is is just a biking group here, but like just these minor changes ended up creating such a big effect. It's it's pretty cool. And and
0: some of the changes that they made or the actions they were taking, you don't necessarily think that oh, that's going to make them better. Bikers watching wiping their tires down in the dirt, but they do add up. And the other example I really liked was about the plane going from LAX to New York. And if their angle is 3.5 degrees off on takeoff, instead of landing in New York, they'll land, land in Washington, D.C. And so it, that's like the kind of negative side of if your habits are negative, how it, those small little negativities will lead you astray from your goal.
1: Yeah, I, that one actually stuck out to me too. So I'm so glad you picked up on that one. And he also mentioned like, you know, how the passengers or whatever, like you're not really gonna tell a difference, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, actually, if you do as a person, right? If you do these uh, for long enough, the the compound effect will be negative, right? And at some point you'll be really off target. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely love
0: that example as well. And when you finally land is when you realize, <laughs> You're not and, in the right
1: place. <laughs> yeah, and you know, that is like, you know, you might not realize a week from now or a month, you know, what, what habits and what they're doing to you. But a year, t- two, three years, five years, you'll be like, damn, like this one thing that I was doing was really negatively affecting my life. So uh, I love that example, too.
0: I, f- I feel that this book is two sections. This this first section that uh, describes the power of the habits and examples showing the power of them, and then the second section, how to make that a reality. And I think the biggest point that if you don't take anything else from the book that he was trying to mention was that you, the goal of habits are not to change an outcome of your life, but to change the identity of who you are. And that's the only way that you can successfully change a habit, is to be ingrained in lifestyle. And I think that's the point he's trying to to make have us take away from the book, because You can say, oh, I'll just change this, make this a solution to one of my sugars and make this a new habit. But it has to be an identity or it will never stick and it will never progress into something bigger.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good takeaway. Um, And I I think, you know, we can just talk about kind of what we took away here together here. But Like, you know, I think another example that pops out to me is, is one of the ice cube. You know, he kind of talks about if you keep an ice cube out, right, and it's 16 degrees, you know, you you boost it up to 20 degrees, 30 degrees, nothing's happening. But then when you hit that 32 degrees, then you start seeing change, right? And, uh, you know, he talks about, like, you know, that's why people give up so easily, right? Like, you you start running, you start doing exercise, and you give up because you don't see the results right there, right? But he's like, you know, you're kind of like just... uh, you keep pushing yourself you the longer you do it the closer you get to that threshold point right like the the critical threshold the breakthrough moment uh just like he gave some examples too of like bamboo how it grows underneath for so long and then shoots up all of a sudden right that's like how your um, success will be right like when you're trying to do something in life it takes time uh but you shouldn't give up right like you're getting closer you're inching closer to that breakthrough moment so I, I thought that was like something significant too right like we talk about reaching these goals doing good things but um i think a lot of people like i think there's always these illustrations of like someone you know uh, i don't know it's hard to explain it. i've seen this on instagram quite a bit but it's like one guy in the dirt he's digging he's digging for gold right and he gives up at the last second and the gold's like right you know one swing away you know that type of thing uh comes to mind it's like yeah if you keep at it at one point, instantly you'll you'll break through. And it's also like you mentioned as an overnight success, right? Like it's a hard work that no one else sees. And then one day they're like, Wow, you really did this. You know? You can think about musicians, uh, like, oh my God, this guy really blew up, but you'd be like, No, this person's been working for 10 years, right? You just haven't heard his mixtapes or his other songs, they're not as popular. But like you see that overnight success, and I think that's that's incredible.
0: That reminds me of that Beatles example in one of the books we read that they had all those concerts, like over 160 or whatever when, concerts before they became the overnight success. And I think it was Abbey Road or somewhere. Yeah. Where they had was, so many gigs.
1: Was it not Compound Effect? I think it was compounded. I, I think it might have been, but yeah, how they actually that exactly
0: you know, reminds me of what you were talking about.
1: Right? Yeah, they had so many, you know, performances, and they're at this Europe, like uh, this, like strip club, you know, in in Europe, uh, and they're doing all these performances. That's why when they started touring and started doing all these albums, they were ready and to go. You know, they they'd already like brushed off everything else. So that's a, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that
0: and, up. And in, in addition to what you were talking about, how sometimes. You know, you get tired of doing the same thing. You don't see the results and you give up. It reminds me of one of the quotes in the book that uh, Mr. Clear mentioned. "Is the greatest threat to success is not failure. It is boredom. And I feel like that goes in line to what you're saying. Is sometimes the the little things such as, you know, I want to become a basketball player. I need to go to the gym every day and, and work out and get a thousand shots up, but sometimes it becomes monotonous and gets bored. And I think that's why it's, You see some of these individuals, you know, maybe very talented individuals not be successful because of the work ethic. They just get bored of either practicing or refining their crap. But those little things in the background is what makes people successful, but could be the hardest things to continue on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why when people give you advice to chase your passions, it's because you do need that that fuel, right? You do need that passion. You have to keep that passion when you're doing something, right? You should obviously choose something that, you know, your skills go with or something you can improve on, but you have to have that like, you know, the want, right? You have to be willing to do it. Um, another thing that popped out to me is, you know, I didn't really think about this, but he's right. He he mentioned that winners and losers both have the same goals. You know, both people like whether you're winning or whether you're losing in life or whatever it is, the the race, everyone wants to win. Everyone wants to reach that goal. Like people have the same things. It's just the way you go about it. Right. And I think that kind of goes into, you know, uh, results don't have to do with the goals. Right. They have to do with your systems. You know, uh, he gives an example that I, you know, can really relate to. He's like, hey, if you clean up your room once, great. But you know, if it goes back into like a pile of trash like the next day or, or the next few days, like you can do everything once in a while, right? But until you change your system, until you make it like uh, a repetitive habit, uh, things aren't gonna change. And I think that was the biggest quote I took away here is you do not rise to the level of your goals, but you fall to the level of your systems. And this is something he mentions and when you think about it, it makes sense, right? Like if your system's in place, and you keep it up. I think this goes into, like, discipline, really, right? If you keep it up all the time, you will see success, right? And he mentions how some people, when they win the race, they kind of give up their goals, right? Like, they don't they don't keep up these systems. Uh, I think the systems is a big thing to take away from this book.
0: And also, uh, the, the examples or the ways to do so, I, I appreciate it. It was very thought-provoking, in my opinion. Because you mentioned, like, how to maintain positive habits is to make them obvious, easy, attractive, and satisfying. And on the contrary, how to get rid of negative habits, and, which is the opposite of that, making them hard to do, making them have negative uh, response to it. And then something that was interesting that you mentioned with negative habits particularly is that the habits, that you can't get rid of them. You can only try to remove them as much as possible by removing yourself from being exposed to it or being in that setting. And I thought that was very interesting that he wasn't trying to sugarcoat that, oh, you just get rid of the habit and it goes away because they always stick with you. And I I like that part, this part of the book that instead of giving you very tangible, actionable points, he gave you a lot of details that make you think about the habits you have or the habits you want to have and how to accomplish them. Like a couple of things I wrote down was from the positive habit stacking, putting habits you want with habits you already have, such as like, you know, you brush your teeth every day, but I want to add something else. Let me add it. Because I know I'm going to brush my teeth. I just add this along
1: and mm-hmm. I'll do
0: it because I have to do it with brushing my teeth or placing things out in places that you see them. So you remember to do them. So for me, it's something I do is if I want to cook something, I'll put the ingredients out on my counter that I need to cook with so that I don't forget, you know, to do so. And I think those are really good uh, suggestions and to make habits a reality.
1: Yeah. And I want to touch on something you just mentioned uh, recently, the making things obvious, easy, attractive, satisfying, right? Like, you know, we, we talk about how to implement things into your life and doing these things you know, I think it's a good way to go about it, right? And the inverse of it, right? Like you mentioned, making things difficult, impossible, you know, hard to see, uh, less appealing, you know? Those are cool things, right? He mentions how if you're addicted to video games, you know, just put up the console up every time you play, Mm -hmm. right? And like, I thought about that. I was like, yeah, I wouldn't want to bring it out ever, you know? Like (laughs) if you're really putting it up all the way, you don't see it. It's not natural. You don't just pick up your controller and go, yeah, it makes total sense, right? Like, I think I never really thought of it, uh, of a way to kind of discipline yourself by kind of hiding these things, right? Getting them out of your sight, right? Um, that's actually a very decent thought, and I thought that was really cool. Um, a thing, and I think he also mentions how we kind of like automate things, uh, and you know, it's kind of positive and negative, right? He mentions how like lifeguards, you know, if they see kids running in the street, they might be like, hey, walk, right? Uh, or like, you know, he gave the example of a grocery store clerk, you know, he had a line of people giving gift cards to buy their groceries and then someone gave the credit card, you know, and he's cutting up the gift cards cause they're, they're done. Right. Oh, and he shit. cut up someone's credit card, you know, cause he's just in that like automated state. So, you know, he mentions how, you know, calling out things and, you know, being aware, right. He's like, before you can start to do anything, you should be aware of your surroundings, your environment. And uh, I think, you know, It might be something said quite often, but I think it's very important, right? When you think about your environment, you think about being aware of your situation. I I think it's very, very vital.
0: I think so, too. And the final quote I'm going to throw in here is that habits are not a finish line to be crossed. They are a lifestyle to be lived. James Clear.
1: Yeah, we knew the author's name, but thanks for saying. I just word. wanted to make
0: sure I didn't. I didn't know.
1: Thank you for saying. I want everybody word.
0: to know clearly that his name is James Clear.
1: Ah, sigh. Uh, but no, <laughs> I, I think this is a nice book, um, honestly. Um, and there's a lot to take away from it. Um, you know, he's talking about his experiences, things he's looked at, and he talks about research and whatnot. I think there's a, a lot to a lot of, of value to this book. So, Ryan, I want to get your rating of this book, uh, and then I'll give mine and we can wrap it up.
0: It was interesting going into this book because we have read Power of the Habit, we have read The Compound Effect. And so, I was trying to think how much is this book going to add or how is it going to be different from these other books? But having read this book, it actually brings another level of value, especially adding on. To those other books and i really appreciate how thought-provoking it was and how it summarized it at the end and made the points clear and it had really clear i felt like it had a clear purpose that it wanted to get and we both when we discussed we both ended up at the same conclusion from this book so i felt like it did a good job at really reining in those clear points and the fact that james clear had his moment in life and had an anecdotal evidence also Personally, that he included in the beginning really made it even stronger because he said, I went through this and I have these habits and I transformed my life and it worked for me, you know, just like Dan Hardy did as well in his book. And that's really, that's really powerful. Not just some random guy on the street, to want to write a book about habits, but someone who has life experience supported. Right. So I, I I really enjoy this book. I like the examples in the beginning I, it's been a little bit since I, I read it and remember it. And maybe my mood isn't that great. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, Ryan, don't let your emotions give this. I'm away. not, I'm not, I'm not letting like my emotions. Uh, I give you the 250000 for 20%. All right. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, let's cut the trace. Uh, and I got $2 royalty for every book you sold.
1: Yeah, yeah, you For, know to recoup this,
0: my two hundred fifty thousand dollars.
1: This is now a recurring bit where Ryan does his best Kevin O'Leary, uh, uh, Shark Tank thing out here. Spit it! Spit it. I, I'll
0: give you a second offer. I'll give you. I'll give you the two hundred fifty thousand debt, and I'll take your ten percent.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ryan, what is it? You give, uh, give us the rating. What is it? I'll give it. I'll give it a four point nine. Oh wow! Wow. Okay. Wow.
0: I yeah. appreciated what he went through and. If that he's sharing his knowledge and everything I said, I thought the point was clear. I I feel like if I remembered it clearly, it might be higher. I just I'm I I just I I appreciated the thought provokingness of the book.
1: Yeah, that's 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 fair. So, I'm going to go off right off the bat. I think it's a fantastic book like I mentioned. I think there's a lot to take away and I think going into this book like I mentioned, we weren't sure, you know, we've already read a couple of these, you know, habit books, uh, compound effect books, but I think he does a good, great job like you mentioned of giving his background to something he's lived through. And I think there's a lot to take away that we haven't heard before. You know, a lot of different examples, a lot of different takeaways here. I think I love that he mentions like the cycle that we've heard about in The Power of Habit as well. Um, I I, I really dug that. Um, I will give this book a 4.7. You know. There's nothing too wrong with it. Uh, I, I think is it's is fantastic. You know, 4.7 is a, a great rating here. It's out of five. Um, you know, everyone could use some improvement in their life. Um, but, yeah, this, this is a fantastic book, and I hope you enjoyed reading it. If you have, if you haven't, I don't know what you've been doing. You've had a month to read this book. You, uh, you need to
0: re- re-look at your habits and re-evaluate.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what you need to do um but no it's it's definitely a really great book i recommend it to everyone um it is definitely one of the better books we've we read we've all read you know, great books but this this is one that a little stood out to me as well so you know moving on to next month uh june's coming or, up or next year whenever we yeah, finish yeah. a book <laughs> honestly honestly though i think we'll we'll get some recordings done Uh, We might post them a little bit later. We do need some time just to get our schedules, you know, intact again. So it might be another week or two or three weeks until we post again. But next up, we
0: need to start putting our books like in front of us so we can't miss them.
1: That's 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 exactly true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Once again, that's our our fault here. Uh, But we appreciate everyone listening and and watching this. Um, But next up, we've got Living Forward. And this is by Michael Hyatt and Daniel Harkavy. It is living forward, a proven plan to stop drifting and get the life you want. And if you didn't know, the books that we do or are doing this year for sure are more, you know, making yourself better, right? How to make yourself better. We're just trying to learn from all these people that have written great books. And, you know, I think if you ask anyone, hey, what's the best like $100 investment I could do right now? It's investing in yourself, right? That is reading books, you know, r- researching, doing what you can. And I think the best thing we can do in life is read books because people spent so much time putting these books together. And when we talk about like a James Clear or whoever it is, like they've gone through these experiences that we might not have gone through, right? They've learned lessons they've gained from it. And they're trying to, you know, share that knowledge. So this year, for sure, you know, next year we might venture off into, into doing whatever, who knows, but this year, especially, we're just trying to grow uh, as people learn new things and implement those in our lives. And we want to share those with you guys as well. As always, if you have any recommendations, please let us know. We'd be interested to hear about them. Uh, If you have any reviews or takeaways you want to talk about from this book or any of the past books, please let us know. We would love to hear from you. Ryan, did you have any last words here?
0: Thank you for sharing this time with us.
1: And... (laughs) That was it. That's all you got, right? <laughs> that was the
0: most opportune drink of water in the history of Ashish and friends.
1: It was. It was. It was like you know, I, I gave you the platform, and you you spat out three words. Uh You know, I, expect- I,
0: I, I enjoyed tremendously sharing this time with you all. I hope you gained as much as I have, and I hope you appreciated my habitual jokes.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think maybe once we hit. um Enough books, we might, you know, take a couple of weeks off and talk about the best things from each book or, or do a write up or something about it. But yeah, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Shoot from Friends Book Club. Until next time, we are out. See ya. <laughs>
0: We'll